Are you a leader in customer success, pre-sales, professional services, support? Do you work behind the scenes and roll up your sleeves to make sure that customers are happy? Renew. Then this is for you. Welcome to the GSD Podcast. Welcome to the GSD Podcast. Getting it done. Services, success, and software. We'll talk with the pros that have been in the trenches, getting service teams off the ground, launching new types of groups to service customers, or running agencies that don't have a product attached to it. For the pros, by the pros. This is the GSD Podcast, and this is your host, Jeff Kushmerick. Welcome back to the podcast here with Michael Burton. And uh, we are here at long last. We're finally going to talk about services again. Now, for people, like a 35 episode gap from professional services. There's a lost episode too that I have to release um, that I found uh, on my hard drive when I switched over from my new computer. But um, well, I don't know if we talked about this, but when I started the podcast, the, the S was to always change. Could be getting software done, could be getting services done, could be getting success done, could also be getting shit done, which is the, the play on everything. And um, uh, probably over-indexed on, on customer success over the last year or so. But um, today I would love to get back in and start talking about professional services. So uh, give everybody the quick five minute and, uh, and then we'll dive into some of the things we talked about. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the time. I think this it's it's also good for for me because it's it's I'm doing this all over again. So I was yeah, a, that's a, good a service a services business before in the Salesforce space, specifically focused on helping marketers. Uh, had a great exit back in 2020, yeah. and then I'm with Stitch now. So I'm Michael Burton, the CEO of Stitch and co-founder. And Stitch is a consultancy that's focused on helping marketers kind of get the most out of. And in this case, we're kind of focusing on a couple of different SaaS-based companies between Twilio and a company called Braze. Yeah. But it's all with this angle of kind of what's happening with marketers. So that's what we're doing. We officially launched back in September and we're kind of applying all the lessons learned from our prior life and figuring out how do we go make it, do it even better, which is there's so much going on in this circles right now in professional services and consultancies and the effectiveness effectiveness of internal services teams inside of SaaS companies. So it's uh, it's an exciting time. Looking forward to talking about it with you. No, I'm looking forward. We're we're going to dive right into it. After I I forgot to compliment you on your your shirts, which uh, I think we showed up on the first time we chatted with <laughs> corresponding shirts. So I'm like, I am not going in that direction today. <laughs> Very important. Uh, but uh, I think I told the story. Uh, you know, the the reason why I bought the shirt was because my shoulder. I was I had it in a, a sling and I couldn't couldn't unbutton anything. So I got a bunch of shirts where I could just like pull off and go from there. Luckily, the shoulder is somewhat better. It's so good. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've seen a dramatic change um, about the word professional services 
uh, in SaaS startups recently. It, when I came up, it, you know, granted old, and I've been through a new term I heard, the three wars. Um, I heard from um, podcast called um, This Week in Startups, a bunch of venture capitalists have been through the three wars or basically the three busts, essentially, of the, the 2000.com combined with 9-11. And then you had 2008. And then you have the uh, consider this like a little bit of a market shift. Right. But like every time I've gone through these wars, um, I've seen this tightening up on professional services aspects where where every time you bring it up, the exec teams and the boards are like we don't we don't want to talk about services services will uh ruin our margins it's going to make us look like we're a services company versus a software company um and i was wondering do you get do you bump into that um coming from from your angle uh does it create more more opportunities as a partner to be able to come in and, and work with with startups that don't want a services team I, I do. I think that what's happening is that it's not just about the margin. I mean, margin, sure, like a consultancy, my, my background, I think we we talked before, my background had been in internal services right. as far as for tech companies for most of my career. And it's only been in the last seven years, again, getting out, understanding what's like in a consultancy, but. Which I always very, call yeah. Real services. <laughs> it is true. I mean, it, yeah. it's a whole different world. And That's... because to, to your point, like you are focused on, you got to be high value, high margin, strong co-sellers. And it, it is a tight ship you have to run to be successful in a services business. So if you're a tech company, like having that kind of association is super powerful than this idea of, is it a loss leadership internal, loss leader internally, or is it closing product gaps? Like that's not a great long-term solution to have huge internal services teams. You want to have this external consultancy. So we've definitely benefited from that, from um, tech companies saying, hey, well, let's partner with someone like a Stitch. Like this is better for, like this is a win all the way around. Yeah. And they're going to also kind of you know, help those customers long-term. And I do think that we're, we're right now, there's even more emphasis on this for sure. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of social posts over the last week talking about the Salesforce of the world and how much revenue they're driving. Oh, versus yeah, I saw expense. that today. Like, it was significant. Like Salesforce, Zuora, like, yeah, yeah. pretty significant. It's, it, it's, it's, it's eye-opening. And so yeah. this is, I think it's another great push for consultancies. And I think it is a benefit of a little bit of a downturn where we can step up and we're able to, to be an extension and also short-term fixes for customers too, who aren't necessarily looking for a long-term investment that opens the door for uh, companies like Stitch. Oh, absolutely. When I, um, my, my perception is always changing on this. For, first of all, just for some vocabulary sake, a lot of people have even started calling implementation professional services. And when they say professional service, they just mean like the implementation team, which is like, hey, if 30 days, they're gonna get you all hooked up and everything. I then say like, no, there are professional services. There's, there's some customization going on. There may be some like data cleansing and whatnot. There may be some, so you're saying filling in some feature gaps that haven't been built out yet. Where do you think that that sort of ends in its maturity cycle as in building up in, because we've talked about, we're, we've both done time on both sides of, of the coin there. And there's that natural point in time where it's like, okay, we're not going to grow the services team internally anymore. Is there a, 
I, I don't think it's a revenue point or, or anything like that. Some type of professional services maturity model, like you get to the certain point and it's like, we have to start relying on partners a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it's, I don't have like the perfect answer. I, my, my instinct I don't think there is me, one, but there's it's like know, a feel question. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, I feel like it's, if to the point feeling, it's probably a whole lot earlier than anyone, anyone really anticipates, Good right? I, I think like that's, you do need it early on. I've been a part of startups, like product startups, where we recognize the importance of services immediately to help with those early wins and build up. But it, it shouldn't be too long before you're thinking about how do I start this partner ecosystem for all the reasons we just talked about, like all yeah. the advantages that you're getting. And an interesting point I don't think we talked about before is that uh, the the primary investor that's kind of supporting my Stitch business is a company called High Alpha, their studio capital, they have a capital arm, hmm. but they have only done B2B SaaS. So Stitch was the very first time they were in the services space. Oh, interesting. And, I, and um, it was not something I'd approached them about. We just kind of said, hey, this should, this should work. And I was asking them, why? Like, why are you thinking about that as you're starting up these product companies? And it's because they're realizing that these early stage companies do need to have more services at the very beginning because they're seeing the consequences of not having that which is you're losing the churn on these new customers you're, you're striving for are turning over really quickly. And you do need that services also to kind of cover product apps with the complementary solutions or just kind of being, you know, yeah. consultants. Right. And so it's, it's kind of funny. That's in our background. Yeah. Do you know, just triggered something off here. Do you think it's maybe more to the shift that there's a lot more like headless and API driven tools that are out there? Are you seeing it with straight up product companies as well too? Uh, both. Okay. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's not just, uh, hey, what's the overall strategy and what this looks like for a headless technology, but any kind of just product company, there's more and more of an emphasis to, not, it's not a huge army of people on I mean, your startup, but yeah. you're you're investing more of that time in people that are that are true consultants. And it, I think I've, I've heard you talk about this before. You'd be careful between customer success and the consultants. Like, if, if there's too much mixing there, it's not as effective as a solution. Right. But like truly having people that understand how this technology can work are very beneficial in the early stage. And it's also a great feedback loop yeah. into the product. Yeah. Nobody's going to be using yeah. the product more than the services team. Like nobody. Yeah. They're yeah. all day, every day, hammering away at it. They've got the best feature requests. They're like, hey, can you extend the API out to do X? And yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Maybe put a little regex thing in there so I can data. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. They're the power users. Um, I am just now under this feeling of like the common thing I've always said is um, in the beginning, services teams are brought in. They're like, just get customers live. It's all we care about. I don't care if you lose money. A year or two later, it's like, okay maybe just not lose the money <laughs> right and then and then what i was used to was like okay uh we'll short this quarter actually we need your revenue projections and then i was going when we were going public at brightcove it was like oh my god i've got revenue projections like on the street but it's a four stages which is scary <laughs> so um and and so but in that first stage that i was talking about if you're saying you're going to lose money, you might as well do it because you might as well just get that time to live, time to value faster, right? So, 
for sure. Yeah, I think, and that definitely accelerates it with that investment in like true services for sure. So it, it's kind of it's for me as a someone who's partial <laughs> to professional services. Yeah, yeah. It is exciting to see that that there's there's it's benefiting a lot of ways. You're seeing it show up in more startups. You're seeing it now as like these independent consultancies who are uh, having a lot of success and supporting yeah. these technology companies that are out there. So, so let's do this. I, I don't want to lead it. I certainly have my own model, but I want to see what yours is. Uh, I'll start it off, right? Services team gets brought in where I've usually seen this and where I actually, this was my model for three different companies, which was like, uh, not really wanting to hire any more people. I'm unsure if we're gonna have the volume, who knows if we can rely on sales projections, right? But if they do come in, I might need an extra four or five people, right? So I would reach out and I'd find a services company and get them all teed up and say like, here's a point solution. Can you deliver on this point solution? And I viewed that as sort of like stage one, right? How does that grow? How does that relationship grow afterwards? Like what, how, what do you see that sort of the, you know, okay, yeah, you come in, you're doing some, you know, adjunct, you know, almost like um, backfill type of work and then moving on from there. So it, it, it's, it's always been my preference. My personal preference is not to do that um, <laughs> yeah. because I, because I, I've, I've seen it. There, there's just different ways you can approach it. Now my, my personal preference has been, I want to, I want to go in stage one as a co-seller. So, and, and I just want to say, this is what I was finding out in the last two weeks. This is like a new model that's being talked about, which is amazing. So, so let's, let's dive into this a little bit. Yeah. And, and some of this is because I just didn't know any better. Like I, I just started in my, the prior company, this was just how we started moving and saw good success. But my first exposure to outside consultants when I was, I was at um, Salesforce and we were using other subcontracting partners. So that exact example, yeah. we would come That's in. Point. There's um, short contractors. Yeah. It's essentially yeah. like, instead of you finding three Java developers, you went to a company and got three Java developers. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would have four or five of these consultancies and it was one of the reasons why I thought, well, I can go do this. Like I can go out there. Yeah. And then my, my model was, not to be dependent on the subcontracting, I thought I would be more valuable as a co-seller. So working on the very front to add value, to help you know deliver on uh, how, what pain can I mitigate from the seller at the, on the, my tech partner, which mm -hmm. is how do I mitigate the risk? How do I help them close the deal faster? Uh, how do I bring vertical kind of industry expertise to that conversation? And then see it from beginning to end, and that's that's my preferred approach. It's what we're doing at Stitch all over again. Yeah. Is leading with that co-sell, be a true partner, and get very sticky with the go-to-market teams. And I think I I like that. Now it takes it takes a lot of work. I mean, it's constantly. I want to jump on. I want to jump on something that you said before. It you know fades out from my from my memory here, which is. Um, the vertical expertise and I have had some customers where they ask us to bring in and they're like, how come, you know, the salespeople are relying on the partners so much and everything. There's a not I don't know if everybody's realized this, but sometimes you don't know Jack about the vertical that you're selling your software <laughs> to. You just like so in DECA, 
we we made the best search and browse software for commerce out there, right? But we didn't know shit, shit about commerce. Like people are like, what should we do for our strategy for merchandising? I'm like, I'm a merchandising expert. Like, I don't know. <laughs> So, yeah. and so that's what we heard with some of these companies is that, that it's this co-selling where they're going to call up a partner, like, you know, classic ones in manufacturing, like, oh yeah, we sell a, you know, maybe we sell a PIM and, you know, the manufacturing people love it. And, um, but like our services team is only just going to be able to tell you how to configure it better. Whereas you can bring in a, a company that's done nothing but manufacturing for the last 20 years and it's a solution sale which will get a lot stickier. Yeah. That, and that's, yeah, that's a huge benefit that the consultants kind of bring to the technology partner is that solution selling that that's, they should be the best of the best at selling a solution. And so you're not just jumping into demo and product. Like it's, it's all about, you know, you think about us as, as like buyers of software, like we just like, we just want to solve a problem. I don't need a, I don't need an RFP. I don't need three rounds of like, no, this is what my, I need a CRM. I'm this size of company. Can you help me or not? That's it. Yeah. And, and so I think these, these consultants that we, you know, as professional services are get really strong at that and bring that strong vertical expertise. And if it's a CMO who's in a huge consumer um, bank, Hey, you can, you can tell stories there. It's, it's very, very powerful. And you're spot on about like the, just because you uh, are selling financial services or health and life sciences does not mean you're a 20 year expert inside the that tech company. Yeah. It's normally not the case. Yeah, I got this 24 year old. He's great. He knows the <laughs> admin panel in and out. <laughs> oh, so, but you, so you talked about something when we first got together and we're chatting and, uh, I was it blew my mind, but I was like, let's talk more about this. And it was the partner helping to reduce churn and doing upsell as well, too. So just like talk to me like a five year old on this one, because uh, this is new for a lot of people. Me too. So if I'm yeah, if I'm as if I'm like if I'm selling alongside. So Braze is one of our partners, a marketing tech platform, yeah. more of a modern marketing tech platform. If I'm selling alongside that account executive and bringing some experience on a streaming service. We happen to have a lot of streaming service experience. Hmm. Right? We're going to help develop that relationship and then close and help that customer go implement and then be available for ongoing services. Like when you develop that kind of relationship, you are in the best position possible. There's no one else that is as close to that customer than what you are in their business. Hmm. So you have the potential not only to upsell for your own business for Stitch, but also for your partner raised as you're finding new opportunities and new channels. And therefore that that's going to reduce churn. And, and I, I think that's some of the criticism of some of the, the focus on internal services and these product companies is because there's just so much emphasis on launch. Like, all right, yes, initial time to value is super important, but you're, you're doing that at a loss, financial loss. And then you're out of the picture in a lot of cases. So like, who is going to go do that? Mm. And the, the groups that are most incented to do that is the partner and the consultancy is able to go do that. So you've got happy customers. We're winning for ourselves. We're winning for the braces of the world and mm. we're reducing that churn. And that like that's, that's where the magic happens. And you're focusing a lot of customer su success there. And who are you interacting with 
on the renewal and thing. Are you working with the original account exec? Are you working with the CS team at all on that? Uh, so it I, it depends on every organization is a little different on how they instance the account executive. So, you know, some of many of them are not incented on the renewal. So then you've got the renewals team. They are incented on upsells. So we find ourselves always in an interesting uh, position because we are a bit of the glue between renewals, customer success, and the actual and account executives, which I love. Like I want to be that point that's bringing all these different groups together and when you do it really well that's where the tech partners sees just a ton of value like all right yes you helped us with a net new logo we're hitting acv targets that's awesome but when we're growing that customer over time and keeping that renewals customer success team and the aes functioning and finding new opportunities that's just that's the beauty yeah. I, I think of the long term long-term connections that you have with a partner and your end customer. That's the cool stuff. Yeah, I, I I agree. You know, it's all about setting the proper every you know structures in place and letting everybody know their role. Because I've heard CS people like, oh, we've lost total control of the relationship because the partners in there and they just want to keep their billable hours going and things like that. So and 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 I and that does ha that for sure happens. Yeah. And there are different incentives, but when you're when you're performing, when you've got you're hitting these ACV targets and you're driving that, I mean that that helps a lot of a lot of things. I, I also do think that's there's always these different paths you can go down as a consultancy as far as am I am I gonna go deep on a couple of different partners? And there are some that maybe have you know, 20 some technology partners. And I, I think that's that is where it gets tricky yeah. if you're representing competing products and then your yeah. customer success is in there then yeah i think then they have a right to feel antsy about it because it does that does happen oh i and i hear I, yeah. I i have that with my own business i've tried to be platform agnostic and everybody's like yeah come on like you must be a little and i'm like i'm really like <laughs> like like onboarding software as an example i'm like there's probably six companies out there that i am aware of um that really do what i think should be done and I really only have experience with three of them. And um, one is totally like a HubSpot thing. So I'm like, if you're not HubSpot, go try out these other two. And like, they're both good. They're both going to do the job. It's what works for you best. But I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to get in the middle because you want good relationships with all these people. And but yet I don't want to seem like, oh, he's just saying that because he wants the referral fee or something like that. Right. And so uh, don't get me wrong. I don't like the referral fees. But uh, um, so um i i was um doing some planning with uh one of my customers and they decided and this is based on some some board conversations that instead of growing a larger sales team they are going to grow their partner network and put basically split revenue 50 50 between the partner and sorry, the VP of partnerships and the VP of sales. And, um, and there you go. Everybody's got quotas and, and they're after it. Have you seen that before where it's like, before I've always seen it as like a, Hey, we can't sell to Coke. So we're going to just spin up like a partner strategy and Accenture will sell to Coke or something like that. Um, sorry if you're trying to sell to Coke. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, um, 
And, uh, and so it becomes this like, oh, it would be good if we got some more revenue from partners and they're talking to people and they're going to recommend us and things like that, that this is different. And I was curious if you've seen this and what your, what your thoughts on that were. Yeah. To your, to your point about like where it's not these one-offs or the tech company maybe doesn't have uh, coverage in Singapore, right? And then they have that, which is totally different scenario yeah. not to go do this. But I have, and I've, I've actually, from the, the the original idea about truly growing your partnership team to drive sales and be a counterpart to sales, for sure, I've, I've seen that. I've benefited from that. And I think, I mean, I love that model. That's a much better way to scale yeah. when you have a strong partnership team that understands how do you not only go develop the, what the partnerships you have and amplify their success, but become really good at finding the next 20 to 30 partners that are there to step up? Because if you do it well, yeah, you're likely going to create a problem for yourself because those successful consultancies will get acquired. And then you have to be able to oh, have yeah. a pool pool to go continue to go build out from your partner pool. But I, I mean, I, I love that. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, Super objective when it comes to that. I recognize that. But more if, if, money. If I, oh, what do I think about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if I but if I'm the software company, I'm I'm like, yeah. Why would you not want to do that? Because you, you again, you're getting all the benefits from um, uh, that you're getting from the partner. Yeah. You're they're deeper into the business. They likely. I always tell people this, and because this is true. When I left Salesforce, I actually worked more closely more broadly with Salesforce than when I did when I was in it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's really the power of what partners can bring to the yeah. table. So that's I what I hear from, that. from, from the salespeople. When I ask them why they're working with these partners, they just feel like they're making tighter bonds and, and stuff. Mm -hmm. Now I wanted to bring up this concept might be a non sequitur, but it's stuck in my head and uh, it goes along with this co-selling and everything. But when I was in your shoes and I just worked, I did about four or five years at a tell us what to build and we'll go build it type of company. And, um, and all these, because we built some really cool stuff and had amazing architects and developers, we would have these local tech companies um, come to us and they're like, similar problem. Like, Hey, we, we, we need other people to help us deliver. We're like, Oh, okay. Well, how much work can we guarantee two or three people getting 40 hours a week? And we'll start building a little practice around this. And they're like, oh, sure. I'm like, oh, great. That sounds great. Everybody wins. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, you have a quota as well. And we're like, I, I thought you were having a delivery problem, not a sales problem. <laughs> like, what That's did hilarious. I do? Like, you know, that, that quickly changed on me. Ass comes off. Like, oh, my God. Like, what? Like, like thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I, has it I, happened to you? Has that happened to you? You know, I, I, I think it, I, I see it happening in more inexperienced partner uh, ecosystems, yeah. like where they're, they don't fully understand like what is partnership works, how it looks like. And they're expecting you're going to drive X amount of sourced leads, which I always thought was funny when you're, especially the very large SaaS companies, when they have source lead targets, because, you know, these are, multi-billion dollar companies how can me as a consultancy of 50 people think that we're somehow going to be able to drive more no, i know because so you, like you're, you're I, I will in say one of those companies that i'm complaining about not going to say them by name but maybe they were in international business at the time 
So yeah, so that, that's so like I, we're going to make an impact to really like, yeah. Like, but, so that it's just not aware. But I it was so it's refreshing. I was when I was in New York this week and I was talking about this partner, this this relationship that we have, and it was this realization that. You know, what's most important to them is that we we are co-selling, we're influencing, yeah, like we're helping, and then we're doing great delivery work. That's the priority. If we happen to be able to bring in some source opportunities, which would most likely come from upselling, like it, and once we're in a customer, yeah. they're like, that's awesome. But it wasn't like, here you go. This is the number one metric we're going to look at. Yeah. that's just that's just not it's just not realistic in so many cases. like hey by the way if you get this that would be great right yeah yeah exactly. yeah that's always been one that just really rubbed me the wrong way so uh same here <laughs> obviously because it's been about eight years since it happened last and it's yet <laughs> a topic for me <laughs> oh man so um so how do you feel about creating your own offerings and practice around some of these are is that what you're trying to do like hey this is our salesforce practice this is our twilio practice and like that or is it more more open than that i i think it's this is a very stitch is a very different play than my prior company oh, lab yeah. and so like the the, the lab play was very focused on salesforce marketing and then I think we're just in a different we're just in a different time where it's not it's like not one technology is suddenly like this end all be all cure for your problems. It's more about multiple solutions that are coming together. Yeah. And we happen to be in a great position to help go identify what are a couple of key things that we can bring together. So I you know I'm not necessarily saying I've got like multiple practices. I've just kind of identified a couple of very specific um, SaaS companies that can work together very, very well mm -hmm. to solve a marketer's problem. And then that's really where we're spending a lot of our time kind of pulling together solutions around that. Oh, so you identified a problem. Practice. Did I get this right? Because you identified a problem and a solution to that problem, then identified SaaS problems that could fix you know, fill in like Lego blocks to fix that problem and then went and talked to them versus them coming to you and saying like, hey, we need some people to help out with X, Y, and Z. Yep, that's exactly right. So we're kind of proactively kind of seeing what's out there. We know from a marketer standpoint, access to just great data, not as close to real time as possible. Yep. One view of their customer is super important and then having a modern marketing tech platform to go execute on it. So that's kind of what led us down this path of, a company called Segment, which is owned by Twilio, and then Braze, another publicly traded company, is that hey, together, they're really, really powerful. Yeah. And so it's 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 kind of interesting now when we're working on pursuits, and it's all three of us: it's Ditch, Segment, and Braze that are all kind of a part of a yeah. solution. And that's that's definitely a different story than what I've done in the past. But I'm I'm really enjoying this. And who winds? Who's the GC on this project? <laughs> well, it ends up being the partner. I mean, if it's right. if we're right, if we're doing this right, then that's that's how we really want it to be, yeah. and that's that's the I think that's the magic. And so we 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 feel I feel that kind of trust coming from our tech yeah. partners. Um, Their sales team is loving it, yeah, because yeah. you're just bringing them into stuff that you want to go sell to them, and you're including them into the solution. Yeah, that's that's magic days for a software company. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Great. This has been great because I didn't have to talk about. 
like I think the last time I talked was like fixed fee versus time and materials versus <laughs> make sure your SOWs have assumptions and dependencies and everything. So this is a much more strategic conversation. So I, I appreciate it here. What did I what did I miss? I, what, what concepts that uh, that that we we could have covered today? I think we went over the ones from my notes, but I wanted to make sure nothing popped into your head or anything. No, the, I think we hit uh, all the big things we wanted to talk about. That's great. That's awesome. So uh, as as we're going through, uh, it's February now. Um, this should be out in a few weeks. But uh, what's your big winter hunker down project that you know, like here in New England, people are going to go skiing, or this is going to be when I learn guitar or something like that? What, what, do you have a big uh, uh, winter project? I, well, I, we have an ongoing project that's been like a 20 last two year project. So it's like a winter. We finally, it took us two years to build our, our new home and we finally moved in. But oh, that's there's, awesome. there's still more and more things that we want to get done with it. And so that's, that's pretty much consuming our life between our, our two young boys and our house. That, that is our project. Multiple Home Depot runs in a day. I love those. Those are good. Yeah. Yep. yep. Like, uh, st still calling our original builder. Hey, this is <laughs> need some work here. I'm looking at the SOW the assumptions. You still need to deliver to A, B, and C. I'm making yeah. sure that happens. Well, obviously, you put set milestones in there, and you know, <laughs> 15 milestones. What's going on? <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, listen, this has been awesome. I'm gonna grab all your info and put it so that people know where to, to contact and find out more. Just hold on one second, and I'll uh, wrap up here. One, all right.